Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I am and your spirit of Christmas, codename Legion Cub. Your spirit of lateness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, we got a lot to cover. Uh, last First of all, I want to thank the listeners uh, because we actually get statistics and stuff on uh, the Anchor website, and you guys have been sticking around for entire episodes. Uh, Our last episode went over two and a half hours, and everybody stuck around for the whole thing. The average listening time was two and a half hours, 100%. So I I appreciate everybody sticking around, and we've we've got another – I don't know that we'll hit two and a half, but we've got another one this this month that's – it's going to go a little long because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to direct everyone to Instagram, Audible Interlude Podcast, and Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. You can interact with us there. You can follow along. We post G.I. Joe-related stuff uh, as frequently as we're able. Uh, so check us out there. And then also check out the Needless Things YouTube channel, uh, every Monday and Wednesday, there are new toy reviews, often G.I. Joe reviews. I just recently put up, matter of fact, this week, or uh, no, last week for you guys that are listening, uh, I put up a review of the movie Scarlet from G.I. Joe Classified, which is a figure that, as I suspected, the original online pictures just didn't do justice in hand. This figure is awesome uh, and is is possibly my favorite classified Scarlet. Uh, and and possibly my second favorite scarlet figure at all wow so uh yeah really nice figure so that is the needless things youtube channel go like subscribe and share uh so one of the another cool feature of anchor podcasts is we can put up q a's and polls and i'll be honest with you i don't know how they work they go through spotify and you guys, you listeners figured it out. So good for you. I need to get on Spotify and check out our feed and see what the heck it looks like. Uh, but last for last month's episode, I put up a poll. Which Outback do you prefer? And I listed the original Night Force, Battle Corps, and Tiger Force. And 67% preferred the original Outback. 33% of our listeners uh, liked the Night Force Outback. And then the other two got zero votes. Oh, so, no. <laughs> uh, so every month, uh, if you listen through Spotify, however that interface works, uh, we'll throw up a poll, we'll throw up a Q&A, and you guys can interact with us and we'll, we'll read it out on the show and let you know. Uh, so with that business out of the way, something really exciting happened that I thought I was going to get to go to and it didn't pan out uh, for me, but Noel... You got to attend Retro Toy Con in Greenville, South Carolina this past yes. weekend, or I guess last weekend. No. Yes. Yeah, last it was week. a week ago this yeah. past Sunday. And uh, um, how, how'd it go? So it's this is a great show. This is, um, I've actually participated in uh, at Retro Toy Con, uh, not last year because it didn't occur last year, but uh, the couple years before that. Uh, it is, uh, it's in, it's in South Carolina. So our South Carolina, uh, North, North and South Carolina garrison, 
uh, runs that show, but um, we've helped them out those those couple years before that. So uh, we did have a finest presence again this year, but it was a little bit smaller, and um, we didn't go up there for that just because I had a lot going on. But um, I really wanted to make the show. I had a lot going on that weekend, but um, on Sunday morning, my my, my pal Grand Hoff Tarkin and I uh, decided to make a little run up to uh, up to South Carolina, um, check out the show. If you've never been, if you are anywhere in the area, this is a this is a great show if you're a GI Joe fan, because it's a show that is not a specific GI Joe show, but it's a show that almost all the vendors are selling some GI Joe stuff. So what you wind up getting is you get a lot of great deals on GI Joe toys. Um, I shared some stuff with uh, with Christian and Dave that I picked up there. Um, I got a, a complete Sea Ray. I got a complete Watchtower, um, an almost complete Stun, um, a complete Mountain Howitzer, uh, and and a few figures. And I spent about $150, $160 probably total on toys at this show. But if I had done, if I had picked up everything I picked up at another show, like a Joe Fest or even like a Joe Lana, um, I probably would have spent like close to $300 because I got some great, great deals. Um, so yeah, if you, uh, if you get a chance to check it out, it happens in November. It's usually the weekend uh, before Thanksgiving. Uh, Brian Kosin, who's uh, the guy who runs, it's a great guy. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a small con. You can get through the whole thing within a couple of hours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you, if you get a chance to check that out next year, I, I strongly recommend it. And for everybody listening that's wondering, you know, well, what is the difference you're talking about? If you're going to a G.I. Joe-centered convention, then everybody there has tons of G.I. Joe, and it's, here's our G.I. Joe. So the prices may be a little more premium, and also the dealers know what they have. They know that their customers are going to know what they have. Whereas if you go to a more general toy convention, then it's like, we happen to have some G.I. Joe it's part of the things that we're trying to sell. So it's, it's a little different pricing and buying experience, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, real quick, just wanted to mention uh, people have been finding the Ram and breaker on clearance for as low as 1269. It this seems like mind. It's, <laughs> it's insanity uh, because I saw, I've probably seen seven Rams total in the wild. Uh, and that was the first week they started hitting. Never seen them again. Uh, but people are finding them on clearance. It seems like the average price is around 20 bucks. But, and, and you know, I see people getting upset. Like, oh, I paid full price for this thing. And now people are finding it for 13 bucks. And I, I understand that. But to me, it was worth, because if you notice, it was 39.99. And then it with when all the increase, it was kind of in the midst of the increases hitting, and now it's $41.99. So if you got the very first pre-order in, it was 40 bucks. And then later on it went to $41.99. Uh to me, it's worth 40 bucks. So I don't feel bad that I paid 40 bucks for it. Like yeah. sure, I would have loved to find it for way cheaper, but we're not in a world where I'm comfortable sitting around waiting for the best price on a GI Joe figure right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I was I'm happy enough to I, have I found it. I still haven't all. seen any in the wild. I would be happy to see it even at full price on a toy show. 
and that's a lot of people feel that way. Like, Hey, I, I, you know, to even see it would be super. Yeah. I, I managed to luck out and, um, I hit like three targets one night. Um, actually it was the night before, uh, retro toy con and, um, the third target I went to, um, I was about to walk out and then walking past an end cap. I saw like four or five breakers at the end of the aisle. They weren't, they weren't priced. So I was like, well, I passed in this before. Eh, I haven't seen it in the store since I'll go ahead and pick one up figuring I'm paying full price. I rang it out. It was $29.99. So I didn't get it for the $12.69 that, that people have gotten it at, but I did wind up getting it for a lot less than I had in, in, initially planned on paying for it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's actually the first classified Joe I've got in my collection. But um, from what I understand, um, when I was riding up to Greenville, uh, I was talking to, to my pal Hoffman. And I guess what's happened is that Target stores got this item in stock, but they didn't have any. It, it's nowhere on the planogram. It's never right. actually been on the planograms for any Target stores. So mm. they just put this excess stock at, on their end caps and priced it like clearance because that's where it, that's where clearance items go. Uh, another thing worth noting: people have been finding stacks and stacks of Beachhead at a discount store called Bargain Hunt. Oh, uh, I believe fireflies have been found as well. I'm not sure if those were at bargain hunt or a different retailer, but that's, I, I want to say the beachheads are like seven 99, but it's infuriating. <laughs> well, I know they have beachheads back in stock on target.com. Yeah. Beachhead has come in and out of stock price. plenty of times, but, uh, the, the, the fact that I've never seen a beachhead in person yeah. at a target. And now the, I mean, this is some serious Mattel stuff going on because if you remember masters universe classics uh, and, and then uh, some of the ghostbusters stuff that or justice league, justice league was another line where stuff wouldn't ever show up at retail. And then it would show up at like Ross. Mm -hmm. Uh well, and, and it's plagued other toy lines as well. As a matter of fact, there were some late release uh, Pursuit of Cobra G.I. Joe items that, that did the same thing. Uh, but it, it is just frustrating, especially with a what is still, even though it's been around for a couple of years now, I guess, uh, what is still a new line for, for that to be happening. Uh, but however it's happening, it's happening. And hopefully we're getting close to a point where things are going to level out a little bit, get a little bit easier to find already. The pre-order situation has improved because there aren't any figures that are available that I haven't been able to pre-order. Uh, and hopefully any day now, the bat and the alley Viper, whatever their weird retail situation is, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to, to get some pre-orders in or possibly real orders for those. Uh, and I did get to see those in person uh, at retro toy con and they are beautiful. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to those hitting retail shelves. They were selling them for $50 a pop at that show. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm not. Uh, I have uh, Emily, the, our, our marketing representative for the G.I. Joe brand that we have right now, has absolutely won my heart and my trust. So I believe Emily when she says there will be plenty of Bats and Alley Vipers to go around. So even though I would love to have a super early review up on the Needless Things YouTube channel, uh, I'm not playing that game. I'm going to wait until I find one for retail price. 
And I just want to toss out for the people that are naysaying about some of these figures being at clearance, uh, keep in mind that those could end up in the hands of someone like me that during this whole time of classifieds, I said, you know, I've got my three and three quarter figures. I'm, I'm good. But then as soon as I got gifted that Baroness and I got, I had her in yeah. my hands and I got to see just how great this figure is. Boom. Now I'm all in. So think mm-hmm. about the, a $7 clearance or $12 clearance impulse buy item that you give to your friend. That's a GI Joe fan that goes, Oh, wait a minute. This it's, is great. It's and a gateway toy. It, absolutely. <laughs> it, it honestly ends up better because hopefully that equals more sales when the newer figures come out. So, uh, so as a, well, as of this recording, we have a little over a week left for the HasLab Sky Striker project. Uh, by the time this releases, we'll have just a few days left. So I do urge all of our listeners to go to the HasLab page, read the information about the Sky Striker, uh, and make your decision. It's not for everybody, but I would I would suggest that separate this. This wasn't going to be a classified item. This needn't be, in my personal opinion, and I, I am a collector. These guys can tell you right now how many modern era Joes I've got behind me. Uh, I've, I've, I've got four feet by eight feet of modern era Joes with more to my left. I love those. But this Sky Striker is a new, is, is the start of a new collection to me. It's like the difference between O-Ring and Modern and New Sculpt and Classified. This is a different one. I don't need it to be compatible with modern era. I don't even need it necessarily to be compatible with, with O-ring as far as aesthetics and stuff. I want it to be the best possible sky striker that's ever been made. That's what I want in my collection. That's my only expectation of it. Uh, and I think if you go to the HasLab site and read it, you'll, you'll see that that's what they're offering. Uh, Emily, Lenny, and Sam have been putting videos up on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, detailing different aspects of this Sky Striker. Uh, they've talked in detail about the pilot figures, well, the pilot and the co-pilot. Uh, they have talked about the details on the Sky Striker. And then just a few minutes before we started recording today, they put up a brand new video detailing the stand and the mechanisms for the landing gear and the wings. So now we have a lot of answers about that. The landing gear is operated by the tow hook. So that, that hook that's underneath jets that catches when they land, that's on this Sky Striker, but you pull it back and it drops the landing gear. And then on top, the switch that operates the wings is the same as on the classic Sky Striker. Uh, it's been stated that this is the, pretty much the same dimensions as the original Sky Striker, uh, but just with tons and tons and tons more detail. Uh, they've also stated that all of the figures that are included, whether it be just Ace and his co-pilot, whose name I can't remember at all, uh, or those two, Night Force Ripcord, Scarlet, and the two members of the pit crew, all of the figures will be carded, which I think is very significant. And the, the two pit crew members will be on a double card. Uh, 
Uh, but what that means to me is if I do as I would like to do and add a couple more Sky Strikers onto my order, I'll flip carded figures and make possibly all of my money back depending on how many of the stretch goals we make. Now, at this point, uh, I think we're going to fund definitely. I don't know how far we're going to get into the stretch goals, but I'd, I'd like to see it go all the way, obviously. Uh, I'd also like to mention one of the videos, What a thing that they've been doing in these videos is pulling out an old O-ring Joe, because we got to remember, this is kicking off a new line of O-ring GI Joes. So they've been doing kind of little flashbacks during these videos where they pulled out uh, Zorana at one point and Lenny pulled out a Battlecore Leatherneck. And I'd just like to throw it out there that I randomly, without any context, reviewed Battlecore Leatherneck on the Needless Things YouTube channel just a few weeks ago. I don't know that Lenny's talking to me, but I'm talking to Lenny. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh so I've also seen a lot of talk about, oh, we've had so many Sky Strikers released. Why are we getting another one now? And that doesn't make any sense to me because the last one that came out was in 2015. And it was a con exclusive. The one in 2011, or I'm sorry, uh, not a con exclusive. It was the, the dark colored one that came with the orange hiss tank. Uh, and then in 2011, we got one. That was 10 years ago. So we got one 10 years ago, one six years ago, and then there were two more that were con exclusives. So I wouldn't consider those like easily obtainable releases. Uh, I don't know what people are talking about when they say, oh, we've got tons of Sky Strikers that have already been made. Uh, and none have been made like this. Let's see here. Oh, and we will be talking more about the Sky Striker uh, later in the show. And in doing that, it got me even more hyped about this thing. So with that, you guys have, uh, I assume, sort of been following along. I know you're not actively invested in the Sky Striker thing, but what, what do you think of this? What do you think of how Hasbro has handled it? What do you think about where we are in this HasLab campaign? Well, I know last episode I told the readers to place, or sorry, the listeners to place your bets that I'm backing the Robo Skull. And after much, much thought, I do love the Robo Skull. There was never any doubt that the Robo Skull was going to go through. Yeah. So I decided to use my money to back the Sky Striker. Yay! And that's, <laughs> you know what? Because I literally, I honestly was, was, I felt like I wasn't torn, but then I kept thinking about it. And I was like, what if it comes down to just a handful of people? Yeah. That would really suck. Like I, I'm still going to be able to get a robo skull. I'm not worried about it. Um, and that's a good point because they have said that the robo skull will be available for purchase. You know, once they come out, <clears throat> the sky striker will not. Right. And, and, I believe this Hasbro's push is going to be for this new O-ring line and not that vehicles are, you know, huge with the toy buying public anymore, but they are with me. 
So yes. I want to send I want to send a clear message to them that this is what I want. I, I want to see it. Do I want to always see it as a HasLab project? Right, right. No. Um, but if we're going to do it, I guess let's start with the bang. And, well, and I do and, still think that Scarlet, I, I is, is, that's the only part of the backing that I'm like, meh, but that's okay. <laughs> well, and that's, we, people our age grew up with toy lines where vehicles were a critical component. Star Wars, G.I. Joe, uh, Mask, different scale, mm-hmm. but same concept. So to me, vehicles are very much an important part of toys. And while I, you know, like my larger scale figures, there is something lacking with, with a line that just has no vehicles, especially if it's GI Joe or star Wars. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of these? Uh, I don't know if you've watched the videos they've been putting up, but they have, like I said, been pulling out a vintage Joe to share during each video and Emily will say, let us know what Joes you want to see in the O-ring line going forward. Uh, and with this newest video, she brought out a 1993 Destro, which is that uh, sort of the refined style Destro where he looks like his classic figure, but everything's toned down just a little bit. And he's got the red shoulder pads uh, mm-hmm. and he's in the disc launcher, which she used, by the way. And I was very amused by that. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think these vintage shares mean or are they because they're they're either going back in the archive or they're going on ebay and just picking random stuff they like i don't know what the deal is uh because this destro was pretty beat up what is there significance beyond them just saying hey we're looking at o-ring figures what what do you want to see i mean i'd love that because as i mentioned before if they make a if they make a a a battle core leatherneck and in any of the new lines i'm going out and buying one <laughs> even though i already have multiples of them <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean i don't know it could just be pulling stuff out of personal collections or just stuff that they've you know they've found in the archive or whatever um just to kind of generate interest and to get people talking like us who knows yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i call me a skeptic i don't believe there is such a thing as random when it comes to toy companies because of the amount right. of time that goes into designing and planning a line so if they just so happen to have these figures lying around I, even even if it's not that version of leatherneck they're looking at leatherneck they have leatherneck in their office for a reason right right and that's how i feel about it there there has to be some significance because they're not wasting marketing time on some random thing yeah, but maybe they are just because it's fun because they do seem to be having a lot of fun. I don't know. Uh, so Christian, you brought up the Robo Skull just real quick after Action Report. Obviously, it completely blew away all of their expectations. It wrapped up. It finished. The backer kit is going out. I think in January, uh, which is where you'll have the opportunity to add on additional rewards. I ended up. I honestly, at this point, I don't even remember what all I got. I, I never did the the all in. I couldn't justify the price, but I did get the vehicle, a uh, three and three quarter inch pilot, a six inch pilot, a Skeletron. Like I, 
I, I went a little berserk at the last minute because I, I realized the prices weren't going to be that good again. And I want, when this thing arrives, I want to have as close to the total package as I can. So I want to be able to open it up and review with a six inch pilot, a three and three quarter inch pilot, the O-ring figure. Like I wanted to have sort of one of each of the main parts of the campaign to, to have and to talk about. So we'll see in January what I end up adding to the backer kit, but uh, it was just a lot of fun to watch that. And I can't wait to get that thing in hand. In other Joe adjacent news, guys, are you, you're both sitting down. I can see that. So get ready. Action Force is shipping. Oh, I received an email today with my final notification that if I needed to update my address or anything, that, that the deadline to do so was December 1st because they will begin shipping orders for four Valiverse customers uh, this week. That explains why the temperature dropped here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you bought them through other retailers, their product is still in transit on the way. Valiverse can't really talk, can't shed any light on when those are expected. But as far as if you are ordered from CrowdOx or from Valiverse, uh, that stuff is in and they're, they're putting everything into the UPS system and shipping it out starting this week. Uh, I'm very excited to see it in person and to kind of put this whole business to bed. I guess. <laughs> I'm kind of excited <laughs> to start seeing the reviews rolling in. Well, that's, that's what I'm, because look, whatever the case may be, as soon as, cause I have three figures coming, uh, I've, and that's three reviews I'm going to put up on the needless things, YouTube channel that I know are guaranteed to get a lot of hits just because it's going to have action force valiverse in the title and i gotta say whatever you say about bobby valla he has gotten tons of attention and now that his toys are hitting there's going to be tons of buzz mm -hmm. so however you feel about the way that he did things he did accomplish a certain amount of of of, of attention and marketing so you know, once I have them in hand, we'll see if it pays off or see if it's something that I, I'll never have to think about again. Uh, okay, this was one. We can just take a look at this real quick. But I had said we'd discuss it on last month's episode, and we just didn't have time. And while we really don't have on have time on this <laughs> month's episode either, I don't want to wait too long because somebody uh, requested this. I want to take a look at gridironprops.com and talk about some of the, I guess, deluxe accessory kits they have that, that are one twelfth scale. Well, they've got one eighteenth scale as well, mm -hmm. but the 112th scale is what I want to focus on here uh, because the thing that caught my eye initially was a Maduce for Roadblock. Yeah. Uh, but they've also got flamethrowers and AK-47s and mortars and uh, all just all kinds of what look like really fantastically done, uh, multicolored. They've got a chainsaw on here. 
just tons and tons of different things. They're beautiful. Uh, they've got a rock and roll kit that Which, uh, has... with a rock and roll figure that I don't know where he came from, but I kind of want him. Yeah, I'm really curious about what this rock and roll <laughs> figure is. It's clearly painted. Is that just? It's Breaker, isn't it? It looks like yeah. It looks like it's Breaker. It is. It's Breaker. The, uh, they painted yeah. his beard uh, blonde or yellow or whatever. Yeah, which I mean, it works. Yeah. Uh, so this is rock and roll's machine gun. It comes with this crossed ammo belts, uh, but it also has uh, some other parts that are pretty cool. It's got a ammunition box of the belt that feeds into the machine gun. Uh, just really cool stuff. That actually might inspire me to buy a second breaker and pick up this kit so I can have a custom rock and roll figure. If, if you yeah if if i find one of these 13 dollar rams i'll absolutely do that although you know you kind of want to do that anyway because rock and roll yeah rock and rolls who should be on the ram right <laughs> and uh, who knows they may they may really i mean rock and rolls a, a, a candidate for the classified line oh, if yeah 100 percent. they, they gotta do that. and and i think you could if they wanted to do a deluxe figure like the heavy artillery roadblock i think you could get two different looks for rock and roll in one box. Mm -hmm. uh, but this stuff all looks fantastic. This is gridironprops.com. Uh, it's all, quite frankly, pretty pricey. Uh, I don't know that I'm really all that enthusiastic about spending $30, $35 to make my $20 action figure <laughs> look different. And I'm also at a point where... I kind of want my figures to look stock. I'm not that into adding to, or I guess I'm not that into spending money to get figures to look more like I think they should look. Well, it's also, it's, it's helpful too that most of these, figures that are coming out now have multiple accessories and you know so you can because i've got multiple cobra troopers i've got multiple vipers but i've got like different accessories they're holding in their hands yeah. and they're yeah. they're you know they're posed differently so you can you can differentiate them without buying a bunch of extra accessories so right if as long as they keep and and it's not like classified is doing as much as say super seven ultimates is as far as accessories go but you still have a decent number of accessories in most of those figures um that you can you know you don't necessarily have to buy any extra add-ons but i mean some of this stuff is kind of cool like the little handheld radio it's not it's it's tiny it's nine bucks but it would look good they show they show it with beachhead but it would be look it looked good with your firefly figure as well you know things like that yeah, it's, it's all, like, if you are into significantly upgrading your figures, this is the place to go, clearly. I, I'm, at some point, probably after the holidays, I'm definitely going to make an order with these guys because I really just need to see the quality of the stuff and get it in hand. Uh, but just great site. Somebody pointed it out in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, and I, I wanted to talk about it on the show here and put it over a little bit for the listeners who might not be familiar with it. Tons and tons and tons of weapons. This is crazy. Yeah. And then they've even got stuff like giant war hammers and, and swords and stuff too. <laughs> but cool site. Everybody should go check it out. 
Uh, this just a bullet point. Walmart Retro is on hiatus. Uh, we all know moving forward, Hasbro is throwing their support behind the O-rings and that they're pretty much dropping the modern era, which isn't a good identifier for those because 10 years from now they won't be modern era <laughs> but but uh that th- that's done for now which i'm honestly okay with because as i mentioned a little while ago i've got tons and tons of modern era figures and i really the the idea of non-fragile o-rings is very appealing to me especially considering the potential for that line of giving us maybe characters we'd never saw in that format. You know, there are all kinds of exciting things that could be done with that. Well, and I just hope they carry over the vehicles because that's the, the only thing that I was buying in the retro line was the vehicles. Yeah. And so you can still continue to put those vehicles out with minor tweaks for the O-ring. And who, who knows if they retool the size of the foot pegs, you may not even have to do retools on them. But I wonder if, is Walmart going to want to carry those vehicles without an accompanying line of figures? Well, not necessarily Walmart. I'm saying if, if they are doing an O-ring line, that's going to hit the hit markets over the next, you know, several months, then those could include those vehicles. Uh, yeah. And I'm, but I'm wondering if being, cause I, I'm still not, it seemed to me that they said the O-ring stuff was going to be pulse exclusive. Mm-hmm which may not be the case. It may be one of the things that they do where it's a, uh, a shared exclusive or a, I can't remember what they call them right now, uh, where it goes to like GameStop and Amazon and, and Pulse, but doesn't really hit mass market retail. It's not okay. direct market. I'm okay with that and think that they fan can channel. still do vehicles that way. They call it fan channel. So I don't know if the O-ring stuff is going to be pulse exclusive or fan channel exclusive or what. But yeah, I mean, I I do want I hundred percent want vehicles. I agree. So hopefully I, they can find a way to, to sustain that. Being a collector of quote unquote the modern era, that last wave of figures was so great as far as like the sculpting and everything. I yeah. really love those. It makes me a little sad. Um, but by that same token, it'll be nice with the O-ring to have figures that actually turn at the waist and not their <laughs> chest. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. really starting to, to get excited for the O-ring. Return. Yeah. I'll be honest. If I, if I never see another chest swivel for the rest of my yeah. life on a figure, <laughs> I'll be perfectly happy. No. Uh, yeah, well, and you know what? Honestly, you guys can, listeners, you guys, everybody can probably blame me for the modern era stuff going away because almost as soon as I decided, you know what, I'm going all in and I'm going to start a mint on card collection of these guys, very shortly after that, they dropped it. So that's that's probably my bad. <laughs> uh, we're going to skip over our next bullet point, save it for next year. Once we maybe have a little more information about O-rings, uh, because we have got to bring the show open to a close and move on to our review.
in keeping with doing seasonal themed things on Audible Interlude, we are reviewing a an episode or a story that takes place during the Christmas season. We're going to take a look at G.I. Joe Renegades Homecoming Parts 1 and 2. Uh, I chose this in a weird way because I, a lot of times I do the planning for this show while I'm at work and I can't always dig as deep as I want while I'm at work. So in Googling GI Joe Christmas, uh, yo ho 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 popped up <laughs> with a picture from this episode of roadblock in a Santa suit. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect. And from what I looked at, it seemed to me that the name of the episode was yo ho ho ho. It just looked that way, the way it was presented in the Google search. So I sent it to you guys. I was like, hey, let's review this episode. It takes place at Christmas. It's Roadblock in a Santa suit. What more do you possibly need? We haven't <laughs> really talked about Renegades on the show a ton. Uh, and then in looking at the series, I couldn't find an episode with this name. And I was like, is there another season? There's not. And I finally realized that it's actually called Homecoming. And I guess whoever identified the the link or the picture or whatever it was i saw just named it that which is pretty funny i'm not gonna lie i kind of wish it was called yo ho ho <laughs> uh or they chanted that somewhere in the episode right yeah, well it didn't happen didn't happen yeah. but that's okay <laughs> uh so for the listeners if you want to take a look at this it is streaming on tubi uh all the whole season is which we'll the whole get to series because it was only one season well right right uh yeah and Tubi does have commercials but i noticed they don't always play commercials in the spots for commercials i think <laughs> the first time because i watched both of these through twice the first time i watched them through i think I, there was only like one ad break and it was like two ads in both episodes and then this time i got two ad breaks and they both had six ads so i don't know if it depends on what time of day you're watching these or what yeah, it's completely random. It. I got it's five. Random. I got five, and then I got like one the next time there was a commercial. Yeah, it's it's weird. And but uh I don't know if the whole season is on there, uh, but on the there is an official uh Renegades page. The on YouTube, these episodes are on there because that's where I oh I okay, nice. It. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Uh so, so lots of ways. Lots of ways to watch this. So very nice. Uh, and in a way, we're kind of, or at least I am kind of going to be reviewing Renegades as well, because when this first aired, I watched a couple episodes. And for me at the time, it just wasn't the G.I. Joe that I wanted. Uh, and I never, I never got back into it. I, I didn't back then. I didn't like that they were just ripping off the A-team. I didn't particularly care for the character designs. Uh, and my biggest issue we'll get to, well, I guess right now, this thing happened 10-ish years ago where a lot of the male leads in cartoons got little boy voice. <laughs> and Duke... In this, voiced by Jason Marsden, has little boy voice. Yeah. And it bugs the heck out of me. <laughs> That's I, actually my first note, <laughs> is why does Duke sound 
completely out of place with all the other characters. He sounds like the teenage son from a sitcom. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not, look, Marsden does a great job. He's a fantastic voice actor, but he just sounds like a little kid and it drives me crazy. But that is my biggest complaint about this. So back in the day, that combination of things led to me not watching this show. Over the years, I've heard great things about it. Noel, you yourself have have talked about this actually being a very good show. And after watching these two episodes, I'm going to watch the whole thing because I'm I'm invested. I really love what they did here. Uh, and But I did make a point because all I wanted to do today was go back to the beginning and start watching from the beginning. But I didn't want to confuse myself because we're just <laughs> talking about these two episodes. So I didn't want to like start watching other episodes and get things mixed up. So uh, I'll start that once we're done recording here. I'll go back to the beginning. Uh, so in watching these, first of all, it's appropriate for the time of year because we kick right in with... I just realized my I have like three notes on the computer and all the rest of the notes are on my phone. Uh, <laughs> so is it just me? And we got to remember this predates Guardians of the Galaxy. Is Tunnel Rat just Rocket Raccoon? <laughs> Uh, uh, I could I could see it. It didn't it didn't cross my mind at the time, but uh... or or is Rocket Raccoon just Tunnel Rat? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we we haven't gotten to this part yet, but like my first three notes for Tunnel Rat just have ha 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 written <laughs> by it. <'cause> <laughs> Tunnel Rat's job is to provide the sarcasm. And he, and he's great. The, yeah. the voice actor is fantastic. I like the character. Uh, and it's not it's not far removed from his characterizations at this point in time, from the re, a real American hero yeah. from Wolf, or at yeah. least the edge of the movie, and also um, uh, Resolute, because he's he's also very similar. He's you know he's joking around. He's you know he's making the quips. Yeah, and and the character design he's great. He's he's smaller. He's got a smaller stature. Uh, they just, I think they've done a really nice job with him. I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, and then my, my final note in my PC from my memory notes after my first viewing was the fact that they had Michael Bell and BJ Ward as Duke's parents. That warmed awesome. my heart. Warmed my heart. <laughs> awesome. And they did uh, and, such a great job. And it wasn't until I, I heard Michael, Michael Bell's voice as, uh, as Duke's father that I, started paying attention to the voice actor doing Duke's voice to Jason Marsden. And he's trying to do like a Michael Bell. Yes. Duke. Yes. Uh, and it's something that I never really picked up on until like comparing the two at the same time. Yeah. His inflection and everything like is definitely, he's leaning that way, but, but the problem is he sounds like Duke's son, <laughs> but, like Duke's little son. Uh, so we open with snow and literally like Christmas carols, uh, which, by the way, the score for this, or for these two episodes anyway, uh, probably the whole series, is fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're doing sort of faux Christmas carols or whether they're doing action music or dramatic music, the score is excellent. Uh, and <laughs> Duke uh, has his grumbly, I hate Christmas moment. And then... Scarlet drops 
just my favorite concept ever. It's time for the Cobra's annual Christmas party. (laughs) And she states this as though she were talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. This is something everybody obviously knows about. It's Cobra's Christmas party. It's a thing. It happens every year, you guys. I love this. And of course, naturally, the job of our renegade Joes is to crash the Cobra Christmas party uh, in order to, well, the whole point of the show is they're trying to bring down Cobra. Cobra has has positioned itself uh, in a place of authority. Now, I wasn't totally clear. Is this just the United States or is this like worldwide? So, and it's been, it has been, you know, 12 years since I watched the series in its original run. Uh, but one of my biggest, one of the biggest appeals to this show for me was that Cobra is, Cobra is Amazon. Cobra is a giant global brand that is beloved by everybody. Right. So, uh, you know, all of this stuff that's going on in the background is, as we get into, and this, and, and really this, this two part episode is a kind of a pivotal point in the series because well, it's it, where it's, we kind of learn a little bit more. It seemed that way because it yeah. very much felt like this was the first cracks beginning to appear in Adam to Cobra's persona. Yeah. So yeah, they're I would presume a global a global brand that everybody knows. They are, you know, they're they're Microsoft, they're they're uh, Amazon, they're Google, they're something that is uh, you know that is world renowned. So to lay down our plot line, uh, the Joes have to get into Cobra's big annual Christmas shindig, uh, and once they're in there, they come across a communication that sort of reveals that this guy Adam De Cobra who is the, he's like Elon Musk and the Amazon and Jeff Bezos and uh, the Apple, who's the app, Bill Gates Tim, and the Tim Apple Cook, guy. Bill Gates, yeah. <laughs> uh, all kind of rolled into one. He's this beloved corporate pers- personality. And the Joes see as this message is like spliced in over this sinister looking figure and they realize that Adam DeCobre, the head of this glo- glo- beloved global corporation, is not all that he seems to be. Uh, so they roadblock is fantastic in this show. Mm-hmm. He is a man o action. <laughs> uh, his his solutions often involve picking up feats of strength. We'll <laughs> say he's a very large man. Yes, he's a larger very large than man. Roadblock is normally portrayed. He's a very large man with unaffiliated sideburns. I'm yes. so confused by his <laughs> facial hair. Uh, but I would not say anything to him about it. So as you know, Scarlet's sitting there, it's it's the classic modern computer dilemma where like the bad guys are coming into the room and the Joes are like, what do we do? They're coming in. And Scarlet's like, it's downloading. We have to wait. And then Roadblock's like, whatever, and pulls the entire hard drive out of the thing that they're waiting for. And he's like, we'll just bring this with us. I loved it. His solutions are wonderful. And and I noted that Tunnel Rat might as well have been saying the Han Solo line from Star yeah, Wars. Oh, yeah. Boring conversation anyway. <laughs> so twice in these two episodes, we have huge Star Wars nods. The first one is what you just said, where uh, we get, you know, Baroness is like, wait, who is this? 
and roadblocks trying to say we're just having some technical difficulties here and then tunnel rat blasts the the comm system and then in the second episode you have all of the mps on the train lined up in the train like the rebel troops and then storm shadow throws the smoke pellets in <laughs> and it's just like because my, my son was watching this with me and he's like what is Darth Vader coming in? I was like, yes, that's exactly what this is meant to look like. It's great. I love it because they're, they're subtle, clever nods. They, they are not like overt homages. Well, they are, but they're not, it doesn't feel corny. It feels like, Oh, they know what they're doing here. This is fun. Uh, and that's, that's another thing about the show. Everything about this show is very smart. Mm -hmm. uh, basically everything that I did not like about it, 12 years ago or whenever it came out are the things that I should have appreciated and the things that make me like it now. I like the different takes on the characters. I like the creative ways that they're using the relationships between characters that we're familiar with, but that are completely different now. Uh, I put on my notes, this is absolutely my most favorite take on Cobra if you have to update it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's brilliant, and it, and it and it makes more sense, I think, too, in the time that this takes place for Cobra to be in that position rather than yes being a ruthless terrorist organization. Because I mean that yeah. that fit with the whole Cold War aspect of it without being able to like you know name a single country we were at war with. We just got this kind of entity that is a, this international terrorist organization. But now, you know, we we're it's the the end of the 2000s you know we we were at, there was a big economic crash going on at the time you know giant corporations were more something that we were looking at as the enemy at the time and and to your point dave the a team aspect of it when this first came out i as well did not like that the show only focused on this small team um but now with age comes wisdom and watching it, I go, Oh, we would not have had this kind of in-depth character building right. and, and getting to know these characters. If we had the ginormous Joe team, you know, here we got to spend time, not just with Duke's family, but hearing the backstory and flashbacks. And so you care Annoying voice aside, you care more, hopefully, about Duke as a character. Well, and that's what was so, one of the things that was so brilliant about it is the way that they combined exposition and backstory with action. Yeah. Because we were getting to know these characters as, you know, the second episode is literally like 22 minutes of exposition and explanation with cool train heist stuff <laughs> going on in between. Uh, it, it was it was very very good. Uh, I'm super impressed. Okay, so back to the first episode, we get the flashback to Duke's family where he's the the football hero. He's got the the world spread out in front of him. Uh, and before we find out all of that, he's just outside decorating the house for Christmas. Uh, Dad gets home. He's been laid off at the factory. Uh, it's a bummer, and Duke's immediate reaction is, well, as soon as I graduate, I'll get a job and help out. Duke, you're killing me. You're tugging <laughs> at my heartstrings, Duke. Uh, 
Uh, you're so much nicer than I, because I have written down Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point. That's the exactly, absolutely exactly. the point of it. Uh, so then we we bring it back to the present, and we have roadblocks. Well, we have the whole team going to get into this Cobra party that is happening in Duke's hometown. And Duke takes off. He wants to go check on his old stomping grounds, see how the family is doing, because these four Joes and Snake Snake Eyes is this weird kind of extra entity. The Springfield Four are Duke, Scarlet, Tunnel Rat, and Roadblock. And then Snake Eyes is kind of with them. And I guess I'm going to have to go back to the beginning of the show to see where he ties into everything. Um, and, there was, and don't forget, there was also a, a Ripcord was amongst them at the beginning oh was he yes i don't even remember that yeah he they he's killed off i'll put that in air quotes spoilers uh uh, early on it's 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 a it's what essentially drives the series at the beginning and again i I haven't watched this in years but that was one of the things that kind of surprised me coming out of the first couple episodes so duke takes off he's got to deal with family stuff so we're left with roadblock scarlet and tunnel rat uh in the most wonderful festive Christmas gear roadblock is Santa Claus, Scarlet and Tunnel Rat are his elves, and I want figures of this yes. so badly. <laughs> but the best part is they go up to the door, the, the the typical jerk security guy is like, you don't have ID, you're not coming in. Roadblock's like, oh, well, I've got a present for you, young man. When Snake Eyes, because I had no idea Snake Eyes was going to be in that snap, that sack. Like, I just didn't see it coming. And that fist comes out of the sack and just knocks that guy out. Because I thought, oh, he's going to set the sack down and Roblox's going to punch the guy or, or somebody like Scarlet's going to ninja kick him or something. Like, I just didn't see that coming. It was so funny. Uh, laugh out loud moment for me. Absolutely. <laughs> Which it's, it's amazing to me that this show has taken a silent character like Snake Eyes and done what so many other forms of the media have said they can't really do. And they've incorporated Snake Eyes in a really great way, given him some, some fun moments, given him character, given him personality. Uh, it's, a, it's another challenge that this show has stepped up to, I feel. And I, like I said, I've only really seen these two episodes. But just in these, I, I got such a good feeling of Snake Eyes as a character. And, and touching on, because I'm a fan of animation, and this era of animation uh, is a little bit cheaper than than you know what we grew up with in the '80s when it comes to certain well, art all, styles. All of all of the backgrounds look like Looney Tunes, <laughs> but it impressed me so much that in the scenes when they are outside in the cold weather, they actually animated the cold breath coming out of Snake yes. Eyes's mask. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and cold. and Sunbow never did that. So, well, the cold, the cold breath, kudos. and the way that they, um, the the way the snow's superimposed, it's it's got a very three D look. There's um, depth, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and the way they do combine, uh, you know, it's some of it's cell drawn animation, and then uh, and then a lot of it's CGI. So a lot of like, so mainly most of the vehicle shots are CGI, and it blends. I think just because of the quality of the this the cell drawn animation it blends a lot better than a lot of other hybrids do. I, I agree because that, yeah. that used to be a big problem for me. Like uh, Batman, the animated series from time to time, well, especially mask of the phantasm did mm-hmm. a lot of combination of CG and, and cell. 
and it just doesn't work. And there's so many aspects with snake eyes where you can get even more lazy. And so it just really impressed me that they added that extra touch to him. It made him more human to me as opposed to just this silent wraith like ninja. Because I don't think the way they go on, he was ever a commando. (laughs) Uh, So. Where am I? No. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Cobra, uh, no matter what reality G.I. Joe is taking place in, Cobra's always terrible shots. <laughs> and they are surprisingly willing to shoot rockets at just random motorcycle dudes. <laughs> Which the there are a couple things about that that have all that have kind of bothered me because they're in these giant trucks that have this giant corporate logo on them. And, you know, they're not, who knows who's around, you know, just random guy standing on the side of the road, watching the guy representing this big company shooting rockets at the guy on the motorcycle. So there's a little bit of that. You kind of have to suspend your disbelief on, I guess. Um, I would think they would be a little bit more careful with those if they are trying to present this, this corporate face. Well, it's just weird because they had no reason whatsoever to think that Duke was any kind of threat or problem or anything he was just back there on his motorcycle and they're like we're gonna blow this guy up but that's okay because it led to a lot of fun i gotta wonder what the nda looks like for all these people who work for this company because you know there's gotta be just guys working mail rooms and (laughs) it's a phone book it is a phone book uh i love scarlet mentioning that part and again I'm, I'm going to have to go back, but Scarlet mentioning the synthetic soldiers that Cobra is working on kind of a callback to the synthoid conspiracy. Well, and that like goes back, that goes back to some of the driving stuff early on. So you, if you go back and watch the whole series, you'll, you'll know a little bit more about what they're. And that's, and that's what I figured. I, I didn't yeah. expect these two episodes to deliver the entirety of the plot thus far, but they did a surprisingly good job of doing just that. Uh, I like, the Cobra commander design in this. Uh, I think it's different. I think it's cool. Oh, Christian does not agree with me. Tell us about it. It's the worst Cobra commander design ever. (laughs) Oh no. Battle armor Cobra commander over this over rise of Cobra. Come on. (laughs) Okay. True. If we're counting live action, that is worse, but we're counting. This is right up there. I do. I did like that when he talked, the mask part moves because obviously it's not a solid shell. It has to be fabric. Yeah, it's it's a mask. It it's not like him. part of his head. And for as much as I absolutely hate this design, Charlie Adler just chewed it up without being campy. Like, yeah, he yeah. didn't try to go for a Chris Lotta impersonation. It was it was still very much conveyed evil, and you knew that he was serious when he talked. Um, I don't know. There's just something about that half mask that I just kept looking at it. Like, who can take him seriously? Well, what I, I, well, I feel like it looks sinister. To me, that looks sinister, but the thing that I like about it most is it gives Cobra commander a level of expressiveness yep. that he's never had. True. 
yeah they just just having one eye and one eyebrow exposed is enough to you know to give him a little bit more facial expression you were talking about the voice this this to me is what the resolute cobra commander should have been more like mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah just i i this this one is a lot more sinister and a lot more intimidating i think than that one which to me is just kind of silly and laughable and, and almost sounds like self-parody yeah i, I agree with that. uh all right I'll, okay something that surprised me this show did not feel dated to me you know a lot of times things from a decade ago that are trying to be a few minutes into the future or whatever the term is are are almost instantly dated but this with the drones and with the way that they use technology and and even the uh, communication devices and everything that they had still felt like it's a few minutes in the future like it all yeah. it all worked and all seemed pretty reasonable it, well, especially it with the weaponry too because you're they couldn't use like realistic guns yeah because of just because of children's entertainment doesn't do that now you yeah know? and that's we, fine. we go back no we go back to the laser guns in the 80s but they still pretty much look like guns these are like kind of futuristic plasma weapons that look like something from like halo more than they do uh yeah. something from gi joe uh but they still work the only thing that dated it for me and if you haven't seen the movies then it wouldn't have was Cobra Commander's look. And maybe that is also partially why I dislike it so much because when I see it, I, I see how it was influenced by the live action. Well, but I also don't no, think this none is, of the this is other complete, characters had that. This isn't the complete Cobra Commander look either, the way I see it. Like, yeah, this I think is, this is his casual look. Yeah, this is a, like, or, or even transitional. Like, we haven't gotten Cobra Commander on the battlefield. So yeah, this right. is the guy behind True. the scenes, what he looks like when he's working in his in his lair. Right. This is office Cobra Commander. Right. Uh, yeah, it's not casual. This is office. <laughs> this is work casual. Uh, Flint. You know, I want a khaki Cobra Commander variant. So we get, t- <laughs> so we get two uh, supporting characters in this episode. We get Flint. And much to my surprise, we get Falcon, but not yeah. in the way that you would ever expect Falcon to be presented. Yeah. He is here, literally Duke's little brother, Vinny, uh, but he is still a complete useless jerk. <laughs> he's still a yeah, he's still a douche. Uh, and and Flint, I love that we got the sort of classic jock because we get another flashback with Duke where he gets injured and he's not going to be able to play football anymore. Uh, and we get kind of the classic jock bully scenario where Flint is, you know, giving him a hard time, but then sees that he's injured and he's this guy that he hurt. Mm-hmm. And he picks him up in his car and sets him on his path to, to where he is now in life. So we get, I, I really like that. It looks like your traditional, sort of 80s movie scenario and then they take a left turn and flint has a heart and he wants to help this guy i, I really like that yeah and um and and i can believe because they're both from the midwest that they would have played each other in high school yeah. football oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know i was like oh look at that i mean because 
Flint's from Wichita and Duke's from St. Louis. I was like, eh, it's a couple hundred miles apart. I can totally believe that. So they paid attention to that a little bit. I also like that the that the team was the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a nice nod as well. Yeah. Uh so yeah, we meet. Well, no, we're we're here. We're there. We're there. So uh everybody goes after they escape Cobra's trap uh with Storm Shadow or not Storm Shadow. We haven't seen Storm Shadow yet with Snake Eyes help. Uh they go back to Duke's parents' house and Duke's mom after they provision them up, makes a beautiful dinner for everybody. And they all sit down in their tactical gear to eat dinner. (laughs) And at first I was like, really guys. And then I thought about it. They've been on the run for however long they've been on the run. They have to be ready to get up and leave wherever they are at a moment's notice. So actually it makes more sense that they're sitting there eating dinner in their tactical gear. Like, I realized, like, you know what? This is what they would do. Now, now yes, I'm sure it was the, for the convenience of not having to completely redo <laughs> the characters yeah. in casual clothes. But it does make sense, and it works. And then, who shows up to ruin dinner? What a jerk. That little piece of trash <laughs> mini Falcon shows up with the army. He's turned them in. So Flint and Lady J take our heroes the springfield four away into custody as snake eyes watches from a tree because that's what he does while people eat their turkey dinners snake eyes sits (laughs) in a tree like a bird and that is where we end part one of homecoming uh part two i don't think we'll have to take quite as long because we've kind of established where we are uh we get we open with a news report from the cobra news network uh, which I'm not, I'm going to leave any political commentary aside and just say that I think everybody in the world is familiar with biased news networks. Uh, I thought, I just thought that was a great touch though, because they're t- they very quickly recap the story of the Springfield four, but within the universe of the cartoon, you know, without it being a last time on renegades. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, we get to see a lot more of Cobra commander and Baroness in this episode. Baroness is one tough cookie. Amazing. (laughs) I mean, she is very clearly at this point, and I don't know where we are in the the season here. I I think we're maybe 10 or 11 episodes deep. It's 12 and 13. Oh, is it 12 and 13? Okay, well, there you go. Uh, But very clearly at this point, Baroness is like kind of the field operative. And I feel like at the end of this episode, there's a turning point where we're going to start meeting more of Cobra's ranks. Uh, But for the purposes of this review, Baroness goes in and just absolutely cleans house. Uh, But before we get to that, I liked the uh, she puts on these gloves that are like high tech laser heat, punchy gloves, whatever. And they say they're a gift from Mr. McCullen. Destro. Now, Noel, do you know had had Destro actually been introduced yet in the series? I can't remember if he's been introduced at this point in the series or not. I know that there there have been references building up to it, and of course they do show the Mars trucks, right? And, well, uh, and that's what 
I, I love if we haven't even seen him yet, if we've only seen little bits and pieces of Mars Industries, that's fantastic. Uh, so we get another flashback with Duke because these two episodes are pretty Duke backstory heavy, but it's all good stuff. So it did, I didn't mind it. Uh, we yep. get Duke in the military saving. Was it private scoop? Is that what he said? So I, yeah. I couldn't figure it out. Cause I, cause scoop is not the character's real name. So I don't know if he was supposed to be the GI Joe character scoop, or if he's just a guy whose last name is similar to similar sounding. Oh yeah. yeah I, I thought he did say scoop. Uh, but either, either way, the, the guy I, was, I listened to it twice and I couldn't, I couldn't, tell for sure if he was saying scoop or not he was neither a reporter nor a trader so we're just gonna <laughs> chalk that up to a, a, a coincidence uh duke saves this guy and we see he gets his back gets blown up he's he's uh acting with valor uh and we're learning that this guy is pretty hard on himself actually you know what it may have been it just dawned on me it may have been scoog because that's uh that's tripwire's name torment scoog oh wow and it would make okay. sense because he's clumsy and they're in a minefield right right so I, I don't know why that didn't dawn on me until this very minute well i'll tell you right now i if you you could have threatened me with a, a, a baseball bat to my personal areas to name <laughs> tripwire and i would have ended up getting injured because <laughs> i couldn't have told you his name in a million years uh so we see that Duke is pretty hard on himself. Uh, he doesn't give himself a lot of breaks. Uh, Flint tried to get Duke a commendation for that, and he didn't feel like he deserved it because he he overlooked the mind that almost took Tripwire out. So he didn't feel like he deserved that uh, commendation. So he's he's tough on himself. Uh, here here we get to. So, so far, my only real lingering problem is Duke's voice. But now we get to the second thing that is, is I don't love. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Storm Shadow's hip-hop mummy look. I was going to say, whatever they did with Storm Shadow's mask, that's, that's not my favorite look. <laughs> it, even the mask isn't so bad. It's his little... It's the, the two, yeah, the two bits of hair coming His out the side. Antenna wiggling out of the front of the mask. Well, so, obviously, we didn't know COVID was going to be a thing when this came out. But he looks like one of the one of the people walking around the store with the mask around their chin. Around the chin. <laughs> uh, I wrote down for the attention to detail that they gave Snake Eyes mask and Cobra Commander's mask. They did not give it to Storm Shadow because Storm Shadow talks. And the animation on his head, that the lower part of his mask does not move at all. Whereas with Cobra Commander, that piece moves. You could right. see that he was talking. Like it, it's like they they went the lazy route with Storm Shadow, and that well, they were that too busy. Me out. They were too busy animating his little <laughs> tufts of hair. <laughs> they forgot about his mask. Uh, yeah, I don't like. I like the characterization. But I do not like this look for Storm Shadow at all. Uh, but I am intrigued by how he just showed because he's clearly not affiliated with Cobra when he first shows up in this episode. Right. And when he shows up, like I wasn't sure because I know I knew he was in the series. Baroness makes the comment about like, oh, two ninjas. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> yes. But yeah. then later on, she calls him Stranger, and I was like, oh, 
he's not like this is the first time they've met right baroness that is i think now my most favorite line in any gi joe media across all of history baroness is now my spirit animal because she says two ninja that's at least one too many (laughs) (laughs) right there with you girl (laughs) um i am oh okay so we already talked about the exposition and the train action i love any kind of like train heist train action i'm pun intended on board there's a a reason why it's such a trope and that like every action series and movie has to throw it in at some point has to have it and it's fun it's it gives you the opportunity for big set pieces outside the train but a nice contained claustrophobic environment inside the train uh gives you a good opportunity for exposition because you have people just sitting in a room together and yet there is inherent motion in it because they're on a moving train so it's just it works in so many ways and i think this episode did it fantastically uh but even more fantastic is spicy latina lady J. <laughs> if i if you had told me that there would be a drastic change to lady J. I would have been like i don't like it i don't want it but i liked her like the second she started talking uh i just really liked this version of her i wish they'd give her a shirt i don't understand why she can't <laughs> why does she have to wear an undershirt all the time that yeah, seems weird to me uh but i like this characterization a lot um and then she gets part in on she she gets in on duke's flashback action as well uh, (laughs) because she gets in a downed helicopter and duke saves her and the pilot uh we get a nice little connection there and that's one of the things i enjoyed is the way that this show connected all of these characters uh in ways that you know yes we're maybe a little convenient but all made sense in the grand scheme of things and i love the interplay with her and flint because obviously we have so much history with them yes um and it's a little different here but it's it's still lady J's not going to get pushed around she's not going to you know she's not just there to be the girl in the group you know she's like she's like no this is i believe in him i am vouching for him you know you you're overstepping your authority here yeah i think that's that spoke so much to both her and Flint to let us know exactly who their characters are because she's had these experiences with Duke and it has stuck with her to where she can say, okay, I know Duke's character and therefore I believe what he's saying. And yet Flint is such a, in this universe, I guess, a a by the rules kind of guy, like can't see his, you know, past his nose that that any of his previous experiences with duke it doesn't matter because this is what the world is telling me you're bad therefore Mm -hmm. you're bad so we if you have train action the only way train action can be resolved is with a runaway train and explosion (laughs) (laughs) that's just the rules folks so we get uh duke and flint have to race up front to separate the locomotive from the rest of the train naturally duke saves flint's life 
and runaway train never coming back whatever and put that in everybody's head uh and then we wrap up the episode with duke telling flint like look we're innocent we're gonna prove it we're gonna we're gonna show you the truth about cobra if you haven't seen enough today and flint's like yeah well i still gotta take you in and then fortunately duke jumps off the train onto their little armored vehicle they have a name for it i can't remember what it is coyote coyote he jumps onto the coyote and flint's like die gotta let him go uh and then tells lady J, uh yeah you handle notifying the local authorities and i'm gonna go walk over here which is a very clear like we we're gonna let these guys get away and look into this a little bit deeper uh, great great conclusion uh, and then we get Baroness and Cobra Commander interacting and Cobra Commanders, you know what? You're going to go back to your PR gig because you blew it here. Those four Joes are still out there trying to make trouble for us. It's time to send out everyone else, which is a very interesting statement. And like I said, I've only seen these two episodes, but that <laughs> statement was intriguing to me. Yeah. Uh and then on her way out of that meeting, Baroness runs into Storm Shadow, who has somehow somehow made his way into Cobra Tower or wherever it is their headquarters is. And she's like, you know what? Maybe you need to join the team. And they go down to the basement. Is this Dr. Mindbender at the yeah, end? Dr. Yeah, Dr. Mindbender. Okay. So she introduces Storm Shadow to Dr. Mindbender, and that's the end. The only thing that disappointed me is we didn't get a happy Christmas conclusion. Like I wanted in the coyote for them to be exchanging gifts or something. I wanted to wrap up our Christmas theme. Duke but was I get too much it. of a Christmas Grinch. It, well, but and also we had to have. I like that it didn't end with the Joes. It ended with Cobra. Mm. Like it was, it, we didn't get the happy Yojo ending. We got the Cobra is getting ready to turn it up a, a notch ending. Uh, so, for me this was a blast it opened my eyes to a show that i had previously dismissed and and done so incorrectly uh as far as being a christmas story I, you know it had some nice elements in it but as far as being a really cool cartoon two-parter it was great two thumbs up for me i thought it was awesome yeah uh 100 yeah. and uh, this made me just remember how much i loved watching this series the first time around go back and watching and then and, and then i mean i vaguely remember this episode from first watching it but i'd forgotten how how much they made me like care about duke and his family uh and his backstory in this episode and i am not a care duke's not a character that i normally care much about but this is this is probably my favorite incarnation of duke throughout the gi joe universe He's definitely got the most depth. Once he goes through puberty and his voice changes. <laughs> so the, the, the voice bothers me less than, you know, the, than, than you guys. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got used to it, you know, by, by the end. Honestly, by the end of the first episode, I was used to it. I, mm. Would I prefer a little manlier timber? Yes, I would. But it's, it's fine. It's fine, and certainly, you know, to go back and, and rewatch the rest of the show, I'm, I'll, I'll be fine with it. 
Uh, all right, so everybody agrees. Fantastic couple episodes of G.I. Joe, Renegades. Yes. It is time to move on to another Christmas segment. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. <laughs> I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is Joe. That's right. We're going to talk about our GI Joe wish lists for each of the sort of current existing lines of GI Joe. Uh, we're we're going to throw out one sort of dream item for each thing that's happening right now. Uh, and I'm going to kick it off because I want to give everybody kind of a feel for what we're going for. Uh, I'm going to start with the G.I. Joe Classified Series. And this is a concept that I came up with just in thinking about what would be... Well, honestly, Heavy Artillery Roadblock is kind of what kicked this one off for me. Because the idea of a deluxe figure is very appealing. And I think there's a lot of things they could do with it. So I would love to see a classified series, Dr. Mindbender deluxe figure. Uh, this would include a the tech unit with the hose and the little torture device. Uh, it would have a brainwave scanner, but like an updated, more portable version of the brainwave scanner. Uh, but it also would tie in, and this is where it could vary up a little bit, because we could do one of two things. It could be just Dr. Mindbender with all these deluxe accessories I'm talking about, or it could be a two-pack that included a bat. Because I want, either way, I want this Dr. Mindbender to include a different chest plate for the bats where one would have a tube that connected to his little portable device that he has almost like he's programming the bat. And then it would also include a clear chest plate to be kind of a throwback to the original bats. Uh, and then the tech unit would have a panel in the back that opened up and little back, Pack straps could fold out of it so he could actually wear it like a backpack uh and this figure would also the base figure would basically be the three and three quarter inch dr mindbender but he would include a cape and a lab coat mm. so the lab coat because they have used i was trying to decide actually i was like wait a minute have they even done soft goods in this line and they have because the Snake Supreme Cobra Commander has a soft goods cape. So I'm all in soft goods cape and soft goods lab coat that you put on the same base body. So he can have like a scientist look or the traditional real American hero look. I'm, I freaking love this concept. Noel, 
You have been making so many faces while I've been talking. Yeah. Tell me you had the exact yeah, same I idea. I had <laughs> almost identical, but not for classified. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but almost everything you were describing was <laughs> right down the list. Um, so I, I don't want to jump ahead. Um, well, no, I mean, but, but th- th- just real quick. Idea. Do you guys, would that make your wish list? Oh, yeah. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. Okay, so Noel, go ahead with, with whatever. It, it's fine. We can, we can go out of order. That's not a problem. Well, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, go and give you my classified okay. uh, one first, since we are doing classifieds now. Okay. Um, and I also went with the concept of the, of the deluxe figure. Um, I, want a, I want a scrap iron. And I want a scrap iron with that portable missile launcher. Um, also, a removable helmet, a removable flak jacket. Um, you know, he's going to have his very detailed facial scars on his face. Uh, probably have that that eye that's like white, like the the twenty yeah. fifth or the fifteenth anniversary figure. I can't which one had it where they had the removable helmet or the removable goggles at least. Um, and then, you know, all the other weaponry he's got, you know, he's got pistols, he's got grenades, all that stuff is, is going to be, um, you know, stuff he can hold in his hand and, and remove. So, um, yeah, I, I think that with that missile launcher, if you, you scaled it up to a classified size, you're probably looking at another, like, you know, maybe a 30, $35 yeah. figure. Would you be opposed to the missile launcher, uh, it would still have the stand, but it would also have like a little set of tank treads to mount onto. I, I would like that. I actually considered for my costume doing that and, and and incorporating tank treads into mine so that I could use it in the in the parade at DragonCon. Oh, nice. Um, well, you got to be careful. So yeah, that'd be a nice far... upgrade for it too. When you're doing cosplay, you got to be careful about how how far you stray from the source material. <laughs> That's true. Yes, you, you don't you don't want to get the ixnay from the <laughs> the cosplay overlords. Uh, yeah, I would absolutely buy it. A... Uh, it's it's okay. You can you know you can put spins on things once you're approved. I uh, definitely want to scrap iron and classified, and if he's a deluxe, <laughs> okay, because I I want that that missile system needs to be as big as it needs to be so if it needs to be deluxe do it Mm -hmm. absolutely christian what's your uh classified wish list well so i didn't go the deluxe route um i was thinking if i got one wish to make a gi joe classified figure come true who would it be and absolutely uh it's shipwreck so um it's going to be his classic look although even though i i want just the navy fatigues um i would like to be able to swap out the sailor hat for the cat um and then obviously he would have to yep. come with Polly, and I would like to be able to have the option of Polly with closed wings, and then Polly with the outstretched wings. Polly with seventeen yes. points of articulation. 
so I, my, yeah, for classifieds, I, I went the simple route. I'd be very interested to see how they handle his, uh, what are they called? Boarding hooks mm-hmm. that he comes with the little grapple things. Yeah. I, I don't want some sculpted thing. I want them to be on a string. Yeah. Uh, and I want him to come now. If he, he if they want to give him a more modern weapon, that's fine. But he has to come with the flintlock as well. Yeah, I still want like oh, yeah. the sawed-off shotgun. I want the pirate pistol. Yeah, and um, even if they don't go with the more anchor-looking pieces, like for the 25th anniversary, he had like a literal hook at the end of a yeah. string. I would be fine with with either yeah we we gotta have a shipwreck and i i do want him to look more traditional uh he doesn't have to be exact but i want him to look pretty darn close yeah uh all right we will move on now then to our super seven ultimates uh i will kick this one off with something that i think is going to be a big favorite a big hit i want a Super 7 Ultimate Horror Show. Ah. Uh, because. Uh, yes. That is the type of thing that Super 7 does best. A big, unique looking character. Uh, he's going to be a big, thick dude. He's going to have a, a regular head, a laughing head, an angry head. Uh, he's going to have the whatever the Sunbow analog of the AK-47 was an RPG with a bunch of rockets, a backpack, but it, most importantly, he is going to be a big, heavy figure, and he's going to be the, just the Sunbow Horror Show. I, I just thinking about then looking at like what they did with uh, Thundercats, like what they're doing with the, uh, the I, oh gosh, what's he called? The Snowman, Snow Meow. Uh, the Snowman what, of Oak Mountain. The Snowman. Just looking at that figure and thinking about a horror show from that same company is is exciting to me. The big quilted jacket. Uh, I, I would love to see that. Noel, what did you come up with for uh, Super 7? A Dr. Mindbender with a brainwave scanner, <laughs> torture equipment, <laughs> and a soft goods lab coat so you could alternate... Uh, um yeah so basically almost every almost everything you described in your classified was something i i I thought would be fun because he's a character that just he just pops in those animation colors and i think just having having those brighter colors on that figure um would be really cool and then yes being able to to put the lab coat on him I wasn't sure if you'd be able to do one that would just cover his arms or if you could just do interchangeable arms and then just have the coat go over his front and back. Um, but either way, also, mine would definitely have to have a removable monocle. So uh, that's that's also a must in the line. Well, chances are it would just have an alternate head. Yeah. One with, one without. <laughs> but I will say this. But Jen, you could have a different facial expression on either one. Yeah, yeah. Super Seven, um, they're strictly doing Sunbow. Did he have a lab coat in the cartoon? Ever? Uh, well, they're not strictly doing. 
Well, I mean, they're adding in Sunbow because they they're also adding in they're like doing figure. They're doing comic stuff too. No, are you talking about the reaction figures? Well, they did. They've they've done stuff in the reaction too, but the Baroness look was never in the cartoon. Yeah, that's the Blue the, Baroness is yeah, from the from, comics from the first miniseries. For, oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you yeah, did yeah. Have that These look, all so. of the Ultimates are strictly Sunbow, Sunbow. based. Okay. But they throw in well, toy accessories for fun. Well, um, then my alternate that I had for that, when <laughs> that I wrote down as a secondary want, is a kind of a cheat because it would be a Tomax and Zaymont. So, oh yeah, to, yeah, you, you, you could sell them individually or you could sell them as a two pack. They would. I gotta say, they'd probably do them individually, considering they're selling the throne from Silverhawks as its own separate piece. Mm. I think Tomax and Zaymont probably. Oh, so here's that would be fantastic because if Super Seven does Tomax and Zaymont, they will almost certainly do a ferret, and I would uh-huh. love to see a <laughs> ferret from yeah. Super Seven. That would be awesome. Yes. Uh, Christian, what did you come up with for Super 7 Ultimates? So, even though he's not necessarily one of my all-time favorite characters, I was I was thinking, like you, with Super 7 doing the cartoon look of the characters, what would be a standout piece in the Ultimates that they could knock out of the park? And I went with Serpentor. Yes. I think yep, that, that was- give him a cloth cape. That was- with all the extra hands that they do, you you give him his sword, you give him a snake staff, you uh, also give him lots of little snakes as accessories. Um, and well, he'd I, have to have a, a a regular snake, and then the the snake the that staff, he yeah, throws at Duke. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, he would be like a centerpiece if he was on my show. And you could include, I don't know if it would be just faces or heads, but faces for all of the different leaders. Because remember when he freaks out and shifts through all of the different faces? Okay. because So when I was thinking realistically, how many accessories could you get? Because I want him to come with a lot of little snakes. I wasn't, I didn't think of the faces. I was thinking of like little vials um think like like the cubes that they had like for the mass yeah yeah effective i saying i was thinking like you could have all these little vials that had the different dnas yeah in them so if you have the dr mindbender figure it works with both but i kind of like the faces idea even more that well the faces seems very super 70 to me it seems yeah. like something yeah. they would do and I, I just love that idea because it's it's nobody is going to display Serpentor on the shelf with a Genghis Khan face. But how awesome is it that you would have a Genghis Khan face? Now, do you also sell a, an air chariot separately as well? Ooh. <laughs> or is it just a big giant deluxe set? I mean, I, I know think... he had it in the show, but I wasn't entertaining that at all. I, but, it didn't even cross my mind. But it's a key part of the 
the the his presence in the cartoon. It is. It is. Yeah. I almost I almost though do feel like like that would have to be like the Monstar Throne because the yeah you're right I, and maybe I'm being too realistic knowing that the paint deco costs on this Serpentor are going to be so expensive right that there's your fifty five dollars right there so if you want to spend well, the extra and get the Sky Chariot fantastic if you don't then you can still get a Serpentor to put on your shelf. Here's the here's the thing about that Sky Chariot is it's at my just throwing it out there. Having seen recent pricing, that thing's going to be 150 bucks from Super Seven. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic, <laughs> but it's going to be 150 bucks. Woo! And I don't want to price anybody out from no. being able to afford the figure. No, so and I we think want... Super Seven does a good job at that. We want. <laughs> <laughs> they can handle that. No, 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 no. Thing. I mean, I mean, yes, they make expensive vehicles. You don't have to buy them. They right, don't come right. with figures that you're like, oh my gosh, I want this figure. And I appreciate so that I have to so spend $300 to get this. No, you can get the figure. And then if you want to get the vehicle, that's fantastic. Yeah. If you don't, no harm, no foul. Which I'm very glad about because I'm collecting those Ninja Turtles and I just am cannot see spending 500 bucks on a party wagon i just it, it looks phenomenal but my gosh i just can't <laughs> uh all right moving on to our Haslab item and and this is something we've talked about on the show before this isn't going to take up a whole lot of time uh if i could just pick anything for the next one it would be the killer whale I want one that's updated. I want one that's not fragile. I want it to have all its parts. It, it's a vehicle that we have not seen redone a lot of times. That's my that's my wish list pick, 100%. Noel? Uh, I think we've talked about it before, but the Cobra Transport aircraft that has the big snake head, it's never been produced in any sort of toy format, and I think that would be a fantastic, uh, you know, first-time appearance. It wouldn't be cheap um, if you made it to anything close to looking like, you know, uh, any, any sort of scale, um, but uh, it would just be a beautiful collector's piece. I think that it could be made the same general size and style as the sail barge. Yeah, that's and that's what I was thinking about that size. But the sail barge was five hundred bucks, and if they offered it now, it would probably be seven hundred. Seven hundred, yeah. So, if Haslab offers that Cobra carrier, I will pay seven hundred dollars for it <laughs> because I'm with you. I I've always wanted that thing. Uh, the possibilities, I would say. It would be. It wouldn't be as long as the sail barge. It would. It would use width more than length. Well, and you've got. I mean, you got. It's got a wingspan, so it's going right. to take up a lot. Yeah, and you're not going to be hanging it from the ceiling. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christian, what'd you come up with for our friends at Haslab? Okay, so my Haslab is something totally original. It's something that I've wanted ever since I was a kid. 
and it's a little high concept, um, <clears throat> but it would be a city of Springfield playset. So it would be, it would, the, I'm thinking, you know, slightly larger than the size of the original GI Joe command center. So it's buildings that would have flip around effects yeah. so that you could have building damage from can, where they're. Can I, can I tell you real quick what popped into my head when you said that? Uh huh. The, uh, the Boulder Hill mask play set oh mm -hmm. i yeah m very much the same concept of where you could display it as just you know a, you know all these buildings you know happy city whatever it's got streets so that you can put your you know it's wide enough for your hiss ink for your um your mobats whatever but then like you have space inside like you know the back of the buildings are hollow so you can see cobra's operations and then like i said it would have these flip around panels where like guns come out of garbage cans and yeah yeah battle damage on the buildings so i love i love this this is fantastic uh, because you know you've got the terror drone which is obviously a, a huge part of the gi joe history but this is something that honestly would have a little more significance because you could put so much into it you could have a lab for dr mindbender you could have a base of operations for cobra commander you could have an armory for destro you could have just a troop and and all of this could be done with basically thin sheets of molded plastic right it doesn't have to be this big bulky thing no, no. i'm still trying to keep it in like a 300 dollars, 200 dollars price range very interesting i like this idea a lot um as, as i sit here and look at my $700 snake mountain. <laughs> and I do wonder about the practicality of a two or $300 city, but again, these are wishes. I'm actually, uh, and I, I got to, it's actually remind me a little bit. Cause I did get to see this in person at retro toy show, the, uh, the NECA street scene dioramas. Um, I'm looking at it right similar now. to that. Yeah. Would be really cool for that. Yeah, and that, that's what I was thinking of is is how, how closely could Hasbro do something like this in 118th scale? Because uh, if you broke, because this, I think this was a hundred bucks. And if you broke this much plastic with this much detail, down to one eighteenth scale. I mean, you could get a couple of buildings out of this for yeah. sure. Very interesting. Draw me up a plan. We'll submit it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to O-Ring. We know O-Ring is relaunching, uh, according to Emily, in a big way, uh, which I'm very excited for. And I, I hope the Sky Strikers success or lack thereof doesn't have too much bearing on the future 
of the O-ring line. It doesn't seem like it's going to the way they were talking. Uh, our O-ring wish list. This one is purely practical for me. This is barely even a like wish. I want a zap. I need zap. I don't have it. I've got in my whole vintage <laughs> collection up here. I don't have it. Yes. <laughs> I don't ha I have a bag of zap parts, but I don't have a zap because I don't think either one of the arms I have has thumbs and I'm not putting a thumbless zap up amongst my Joe's. I'm just not going to do it. So I want, I would just want an O-ring zap. That's all I want. No. Uh, since everything is not an acceptable answer. <laughs> no, you can't just um, say everything. I, I want to build troops, and I'm going to say the one that I want to start with is the Cobra Eel, because I want a lot oh. of eels. Okay. That's solid. That, a great figure. Um, one of the, from my recollection, when I was a kid, I feel like it was one of the ones where I was like, wow, this one, this guy comes with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you can't find one that has all that stuff now <laughs> oh my be missing friend something or you're going to pay a lot of money for it i've got two <laughs> that came with all that stuff but that's my magical blessed toy uh vintage toys yes. boons that happened to me yeah that's a great call i like that although if i was going to pick a troop builder um i'd go a little weird and say green shirts I would love to have just a yeah. green shirt figure. Christian, what's your O-ring wish? So this is where I actually went with a deluxe. So I want an updated O-ring frostbite because I love snow characters as well. And I just think he's more visually appealing than snow job. And, and you want him to come with an orca. Yes. <laughs> no, no, that, that was, that was the wrong character. But no, I, he needs to come with the snow cat. Oh, wait, you're right. You're right. Okay, wait. That was... Uh, it was Iceberg. Iceberg. Uh, yeah. That came with... I, iceberg that turned into the orca. Yes, Iceberg needs to come with the orca. So <laughs> you want your frostbite with, a, with the accessory of a snow cat. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with that because the only snow cat I have right now is the one that came out in like 2000 two or three or something and it's got like camo on it and it's also yellow now well part of it is yellow the rest of it's not yellow and it has blue missiles and it's got a big spring-loaded gun on top of the missile rack it's 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 out because it's a placeholder i need a new snowcat badly yeah, same here. I just recently acquired a snowcat at a very, very good price. And once I had it in my hands, I realized it's because the the pegs on the missile holder are broken. Yeah. It'll still uh, sit on there. But what I discovered in thinking, yeah, that's, oh, you know, I can I, just find this. I'll pay to replace this piece. Finding unbroken missile launcher pegs is next to impossible. Which so. is the problem I'm having because I got a when I bought the um, the mobile command center from the 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 toy swap meet a couple months back, the guy just threw in a uh, a tiger cat, 
but it's missing that one part. It's like otherwise about com- like a hundred percent complete. It even has the windshield wiper, but it's missing the rack. And if you can imagine mm. that a that a regular release snowcat is hard to find, right? The right. tiger yeah. cat version is like next to impossible. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> so yes, you can make that, and you can recolor it as a tiger cat and i will be happy and i will buy for you. uh all right so we're gonna wrap up the segment uh with reaction from super seven and honestly all i have to say about this is between the ultimates and the the relaunched o-rings i have zero interest in the gi joe reaction figures now i i just it's not a segment I need. It's being fulfilled in other ways. The only thing that I would probably buy because I don't think I'd have a problem blending them with my other figures is if they do bats because I think the robotic bats mm. you could you could put in with your other figures and they would be okay. Yeah. But even then, they're 18 to 20 bucks a piece ah, that's a little hard to swallow did you guys come up with any reaction picks anything specific you'd like to see yes three words once a man <laughs> uh, i want to i want a cobra commander who's half snake um and you could even have a blind road block a figure later on to carry him around you know it's funny you say that because i was thinking about um the for the ultimates line a roadblock snake cobra commander like combo pack where he would mm-hmm. be and I, and I actually considered him i considered coco for the uh for the we the we don't we don't say well. coco on this show <laughs> we don't do we don't do that here um, no, but I considered like if they do a roadblock, if he came with like not the full Cobra Commander, but like the snake with the little arms, like if he came with mm-hmm. that, that would be awesome. I would love that. And again, that seems like a very super 70 thing to do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Christian, any great reaction ideas? No. I mean, mainly because I have no interest in the line. So I was thinking who would I want to see? And I just kept going back to Torch of the Dreadnoughts. No. Yeah. I mean, he'd look cool in that style. He he would almost look like sort of an adventure people type thing Mm -hmm. in that, in that five points (laughs) format. Uh, All right. So that is our GI Joe Christmas wish list Uh, listeners. If you want to share your wish list with us, uh, you can do that on Twitter, uh, GI Joe Audible. Just send us a tweet, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the next episode if we get any wish list requests. I'm sure you guys have some great ideas. And now it is time to move on to the next segment. <laughs> And now, 
Audible Interlude brings you the holiday greatness of Operation Wishbook. Let's go back in time when Christmas catalogs were all the rage. So November comes around, and if you're a kid, if you're a collector, there was no better catalog than the Sears Wishbook. Every toy that ever was is in there. Open it up, you're going through it, making your list, and lo and behold, Sears Wishbook offers G.I. Joe items that you can't find in the store. Bum, bum, bum. So tonight, we are going to take a look at the 1986 Sears catalog exclusives, the Dreadnought versions of the Skyhawk, the Fang, the Stinger, and the Ram. So, they are done up. Well, the Skyhawk is done up in Thunder Machine colors, which I I like. I feel like the Dreadnoughts, you know, managed to capture a, a Skyhawk and they've painted it the right colors. The Fang, the Stinger, and the Ram are done in Zartan's Chameleon's colors. And I, I, it's always boggled me why those became like a default Dreadnought color. But otherwise, they are the exact same vehicles that have been released. Um, according to the description, vehicles have photochromatic parts that change color in sunlight which sounds like a very useful thing to have in battle. So I had completely forgotten about the photochromatic element of these. Um, and I Same will say there. the Fang, the Fang does match the Skyhawk. It's hard to tell in this blurry little, I just sent you guys a link to the actual scan of the Wishbook page. Oh, okay. Um, but the Fang is, it's blue, the engine and the top portion are that sort of red, maroon, whatever. Uh, and then the, the front of the cannon and the, the blades and the skids are that green that they just kind of threw in for fun because that's not present on the thunder machine but you're right swamp skier green yeah, yeah exactly my question for you guys first thing that occurred to me looking at these because i uh for whatever reason i never had these when i was a kid i wanted them badly uh but i just i, I never had them but my first thought is do you guys wish that all four vehicles were one color or the other? Uh, or yeah, one, I, one color scheme or the other? I think I would have preferred it. Um, I mean, I kind of get what they were going for because you did have, you had a couple of Dreadnought vehicles that were that kind of Swamp Skiery color because you also had mm -hmm. the, um, the, uh, the Swamp Fire. The Dreadnought Swamp Fire was also in that kind of greenish color. And came out uh, that same year. Yep um and then of course i as uh, the thunder machine being like one of my favorite toys i was definitely hyped for the uh, skyhawk and the fang to be in the thunder machine colors but yeah i think a little unity would have been nice at seeing that was my first thought too but they're the dreadnoughts they're a mess they're a ragtag band of punk rock biker people so like if this was an actual unit of Cobra, 
yes, it should be like Python Patrol or Tiger Force or Night Force or whatever. But for this, for the Dreadnoughts, it probably is better that they've got kind of mismatched stuff going on. Almost kind of wish it was more mismatched in that sense. Right. Exactly. These are just these are just like vehicles that they they recovered or stole and they just spray painted them one day. Yes. And see, if they mixed all of these colors amongst these four vehicles and, and did it sort of randomly. I think that would be really, really cool. And that it occurred to me looking at this, if I could get sort of beaters of these, that would be a fun little project to take on. Yeah. Not not of these, but like of regular Stinger and Fang. Obviously, I'm not I'm not paying eight hundred dollars for these and then painting them. <laughs> I'm chalking some of it up to the color changing as to why they went with those colors. Um, but yeah, especially for the stinger, I, I, every time I look at it, I keep thinking how awesome would it be for the stinger body to be one color and because it, it uses, um, well, to have that snap on roof be a different color from the snap on doors and yeah. even give us two or maybe three different colors in the missiles. Cause I really do think that it, it's the dreadnoughts are just scavenging parts yeah from the vehicles the damaged vehicles that have been left behind so yeah. I, I wish they were a little more frankenstein-y looking um but oh. it does it does give them now a whole fleet i do wish that the tires on the 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 ram were not like that green color, that was yeah. an odd choice for that because that kind of takes you out of it a little bit, especially when the rest of the body is black. But it is also interesting that the on the cover, on the artwork, it looks like they're purple. Both the body mm-hmm. of the uh, Stinger and the Ram are look purple in the picture, and that's a lot better color scheme. Uh, for I'm guessing for you too, Dave. <laughs> yeah, of course. Purple <laughs> and green. I mean, you give me a whole fleet of purple and green vehicles and I'll take it. Yeah, so one of the things I left out um, with this is, so with these exclusives, you weren't buying the vehicles individually. So the Fang and the Skyhawk come as one package, and then the Ram and the Stinger come as another package. And that was one of the selling points for parents to buy things through these catalogs, um, was like, they sell the figures, but you were never buying just one figure. It would be five or six figures in this one lot. And then right. you would get the box and you would open up and it would have, you know, all the figures in their packages or whatever. But um, usually the box that it was shipped in would also have some kind of custom artwork or, or logo or, or something on it. Um, I haven't seen what that is for these. I, I was trying to find it. Um, but it didn't have any luck. It was it was kind of difficult to find much on these beyond uh, kind of our usual go-tos. I, I felt really happy I was able to find this scan of the actual Wishbook page, which, by the way, now I'm obsessed with going back and buying old Wishbooks. 
just for the you know six pages of relevant toys but <laughs> just flipping through this and seeing the stuff from the same year was was awesome and part of the magic of the wish books of course were these little landscapes that they would build yeah. and seeing which figures they would put where and it's funny to me that uh in the image they've got dr mindbender in the dreadnoughts fang right <laughs> i can't tell who's in the skyhawk because it's the quality's just not good enough. But then they've got Mindbender again on the Stinger. And then a uh what the heck is that? Uh Motor Viper on the Ram. Which actually that's not even the right designation because I I appreciate the fact that on the packaging for these, they don't identify them as the Skyhawk and the Fang and the Stinger. Uh they're actually just VTOL aircraft and gyrocopter right. and, and motorcycle and four-wheel drive vehicle. Like, I like that they removed the... Oh, specific... interesting, because in the catalog that... In the catalog, that, it says still the called names, the, right? yeah. But on the product packaging, it does not That's use great. those names. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, and, and honestly, whoever did all, all of this in uh this this sears wish book page i strongly recommend to the listeners go check this out uh if you go to wishbookweb.com you'll be able to find this 1986 uh because there are two dr mindbenders in the terror drone uh there he's in and of course he came out this year he's uh one of the bad guys in the five pack uh he's in the stun like he is in literally like every picture in this i feel like they probably stuck him in the night raven and you just can't tell Whoever did these loves Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> I mean, you know, how can you not? Well, you yeah, see that, absolutely. That chest. Who knew, he, who knew he would be the running theme of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I remember these before I went and found this page. Christian, when you very first mentioned that you wanted to talk about these, I, this exact image now i couldn't have told you which figures were in them but like the way these are positioned popped into my head and once i found this page i was like yep i 100 percent remember circling this putting it on my list did you guys remember these from the wish book or is it more recent sort of joe like oh those exist i i mean i i remember them existing when i was a kid um i'm sure i probably had forgotten about them for years and then you know just looking over yojo.com um maybe 10 or 15 years ago probably was when i kind of jogged my memory on it yeah so i don't remember them um from the wish book at all um uh, earlier exclusives yes but that i didn't discover these actually until I mean, it's been fairly recent. I feel like five or six years ago uh, when I was doing just randomly looking up G.I. Joe vehicles on eBay to see, you know, what stuff is going for. And the Dreadnought Skyhawk popped up and it totally piqued my interest. Not the cost. And (laughs) even the five year ago cost was a bit much. Um but since then, I, I've kind of become uh, a little obsessed 
over these. Yeah, I would. I well, I said I mentioned that I didn't have them. I'm glad I didn't have them because there's like there's always going to be that big chunk of regret in me that I didn't take care of my Joe stuff. But like to think of these specifically knowing that I'd love to have them now, but thinking like if I had had them and, and they, you know, gotten melted in the attic, like everything else it would be such a bummer. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad I never had these. And I'll say this to me, this is the best version of the Skyhawk of the vintage Skyhawk, because I can accept that the dreadnoughts would fly around in this thing with the windscreen busted out. <laughs> so this is the only vintage Skyhawk that, in my opinion, works and is acceptable. And let's face it, they, they, they didn't really like windshields in G.I. Joe because the vamp didn't have one either. Nor did yeah, the striker. Uh, yeah. Well, striker. I mean, that wouldn't have worked anyway but like the, this you're driving me, through the desert there's there's going to be sand everywhere <laughs> this to anakin me skywalker is, would hate it hey well yeah he hates it <laughs> uh but but the, the skyhawk was the most egregious uh lack of of windows of any of the vehicles uh all right any any further thoughts about these four awesome unique vehicles Hasbro, take note. Yeah, seriously. Like, if if they are, if they truly do have big plans for, for O-Ring and vehicles are part of that plan, why not start, or at least early on, give us some vehicles that are so rare and that do have such... Uh, imagine if the HasLab had been for this set. Oh... Ooh. Oh yeah, <laughs> it would have been funded in in a day or two. Right, exactly. Uh, and and look, I get why they didn't want to because as much as yes, it would have been funded instantly. In theory, the Sky Striker is a bigger splash mass appeal item for sure. Uh, but but as far as just getting the thing done, these would have the or the whale. The whale's another one that. You know, th there are a lot of other options that I understand from a corporate point of view would not have been as appealing, but would have been funded immediately. This isn't the thing you lead with. No, it just isn't. No. It just isn't. Uh, but it is definitely something that I would love to see in the next few years if, if they wanted to revisit these. And of course, start with start with these and then you've got the tooling for all of the alternate versions of these vehicles to, mm -hmm. to pepper throughout hopefully the next decade of, of O-Ring stuff. And for the I most realized... part, most of these vehicles in some form have been released like in the 25th and 50th lines. So I can't imagine that they have to go too far to retool them. I don't know. And th this is, and if one of the listeners can, can correct me on this, feel free to tweet us uh, at GI Joe audible, you know, hit us up. Uh, I believe at this point, all of the old tooling is gone, is no longer accessible. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like everything that was being stored like in China is boat anchors now. Mm. Uh, Except for it, the Hiss and the Ostriker. 
Because <laughs> they'll release. Well, no, those I mean I'm talking about post those. Oh, like the move to Vietnam is is when this happened. Mm. But I, like well, I said, that could be completely wrong. I'm kind of piecing things that I've read from lots of different places, and of course, I, nobody but Hasbro really knows. But remember, a few years ago, well, probably more than a few years. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, they redid the Cobra Missile Command Center, which was another Sears Wish Book yes. exclusive. Mm-hmm. So it, even if it isn't a Hasselab thing, once, you know, once we're past um, all of the pandemic and San Diego is what it was, um, then this would be a nice updated exclusive yeah for something like a convention because we know those get money tossed at them i i would i would love it if the next few years of san diego comic-con exclusives were just sears wish book reissues because they did the uh what they do the crimson guard that was Mm -hmm. uh was it a red mobat and a red mms Mm -hmm. uh it was black. It was black. With black the red black with red highlights. Okay. Yeah. That, that was the the. Yeah. But we'll we'll save all that for for another Operation Wish book. Uh, for the time being, these are four awesome vehicles that we'd all love to have in our collections. But uh, none of us are billionaires, so <laughs> <laughs> it's going to require stumbling across them at like an antique mall or a swap meet or something for that to happen. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Welcome to Instruments of Destruction, where we talk about one vehicle from the G.I. Joe line and its appearances and what we think of it and whatever else. Just a a wide open discussion about one specific thing. And this month, uh, I just made the choice because it seemed obvious. We're going to talk about the Sky Striker Uh, because in... You know, personally, I'm very, very hyped about the HasLab. I, I, we've already talked about it, uh, but I really didn't sit and think about the history of the Sky Striker, how we've seen it in toy form, like, and and really go back to the beginning and that very first Sky Striker. So I wanted to talk about that. Uh, originally released in 1983. The uh, Sky Striker XP14F was $14.95 retail. Uh, I had this when I was a kid. This was early in the Joe line when my dad was still pretty invested in it. Uh, I've mentioned before how the whole way G.I. Joe happened is my dad was in the military uh, and he loved sitting down with me and putting these things together and telling me how they worked. And because so many of the vehicles 
and and guns and everything else at the time you know the beginning of the line were based on real world stuff if not actually real world real world stuff uh so i remember him coming home after work one day with a sky striker and it was unusual it was almost unprecedented for dad to just no no holiday no birthday no reason at all to bring me a a a present home and my guess is and i i haven't asked him about this and i guess i really should and see if he remembers but my guess is he's in the store and might have even gotten in the habit of sort of looking in the toy aisle and checking out the gi joe stuff and just couldn't resist because he always wanted to fly uh he he couldn't get into the air force but he it was something that he you know, wanted to do, but we ended up going into the army instead. But he brought that thing home, and it blew my mind. Uh, there's no way I put the stickers on myself. That was absolutely a dad job because my Sky Striker was pristine. Uh, but we get the seats in, played with the parachutes. He explained everything on it to me, uh, and and it just. Uh, it was a, a huge vehicle and a huge part of GI Joe for me. I, I loved it. And over the years, obviously we know how important it was to all the fiction. Uh, what are you guys first memories of the sky striker? Probably seeing it in the very first, a real American hero cartoon. Uh, Cause it's right there. It's the front and center the first vehicle you see in action with, uh, you know, Duke and Scarlet playing off each other. But I mean, that's such an iconic scene. Um, and what a, you know, a great vehicle, especially considering that I was kind of into fighter planes at the time too. And, uh, really this was three years before top gun came out when I really got into F4, uh, F14s and this is based on the F14. So this was throughout my childhood, um, just a huge, a, a, a huge influence. I feel like top gun was earlier 86 was it 86 yeah I was thinking 84 yeah okay okay so yeah this uh, very interesting and then that this plane was like cool in the 80s for some reason was it did i feel like the, i don't think the blue angels were this they flew something else right oh, I like have no clue how was this plane, this specific model of plane, how is it lodged so much into pop culture consciousness, I wonder? I don't know. And then, like, you know, you look at even um, the Macross Valkyries were loosely yeah. based on the design mm-hmm. of the F-14. So it was it was pretty much everywhere. And it is just a sleek, cool-looking plane. And the fat, those, those wings, I mean, probably a little bit of Star Wars in there. With, you know, the X-Wings opened up, these wings went forward and back. Like, the fact that they moved was such a cool thing. Mm -hmm. So, as a kid who, my dad had been in the Navy. um, So, it's not like we had lots of discussions about planes. It was usually boats. Um, But as a kid, I did not understand, because all the jets that I see on TV the wings are open when they fly and closed when they land, (laughs) which was the exact opposite of this toy. And while my older brother is the one who got, got this. um, And I, 
I did like it. I did play with it a lot, but it used to upset me quite a bit as a kid because why are why is the landing gear down? And it wasn't until I was much older that I learned, oh, that's how it really was. I I can't remember thinking very much, you know, now being the way that I am, it bothers me that the landing gear and the wings are connected that way, which is one of the things I love about the HasLab Sky Striker. But being a kid, I don't remember that being any kind of issue. I didn't. I didn't care. Uh, I think the. Uh, and I'm not trying to be negative. It's just looking back at kid me, the things that that as a that bothered me as a kid, you know, versus me now, where I would be like, yeah, who cares? Um, was even the parachutes because my some of my friends had the the parachuting GI Joe kit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it was just like the hang gliders. It was something that that never worked. I never wanted to play with those whenever we all played together. Cause and so I, I think that even my, with my older brother, like the parachute was just something that just immediately got tossed to the side. Cause why why are you gonna take the the seat out? Like you want your figure in the jet, you want them fighting. And yet older me now, again, appreciates that attention to detail that they were real world detail that they were putting into these at that time. Well, the only parachute toy that had any real longevity with me, um, there was a Fisher Price figure that I think it was like called the Skydiver. And he had a blue like soft plastic or rubber harness that had four or six things that came out and they plugged into a fabric like a soft goods parachute and it worked like the parachute didn't tuck into the back or anything like that Mm. it wasn't meant to Uh, this was designed to work not to like tuck away anywhere and you throw it up in the air and it would float down beautifully in a way that no G.I. Joe parachutes ever really <laughs> no. seemed to. Uh, so that was the only parachute I used when I was was playing. I don't the sky, I don't to be I don't remember the Sky Striker even having parachutes. Yeah, it had the hook on the back of this. Oh, I I see. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. so when if you tried to have the parachute in the cockpit. It filled up the cockpit. It, it was yeah, it was very bulky. Well, it, so when you first got it, I'm pretty sure it was like very well bound because it was just plastic, wasn't it? It was a really thin. Right. It was probably yeah. folded into a little yep. thing. But the first time you open yeah. it up, you're never getting it folded back down. No. Again. Yeah, it's like it's like buying a tent. The, you know, you you buy that tent at Walmart and you take <laughs> yeah, it camping. It's in the yeah. little bag. You're never getting it back in that bag again. <laughs> um yeah i don't i i we probably because i i do remember like i remember us going outside and playing with just the seats and like him trying to get the parachutes to work but 
if you had just casually asked me a few years ago, remember the Sky Striker parachutes, I probably would have said Sky Striker didn't have parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm I'm guessing those just got stuffed in a box or something or th- thrown out. I don't know. I could definitely see Dad like getting so frustrated with them, he just tossed them. If if they worked as well as I'm thinking they didn't. This is one that I never, I never actually had it as a kid be, until much later when my mother found it at a, at, a, at a garage sale when I was, you know, in my late teens, probably. Um, but uh, my friend who I, whose house I stayed at for three months uh, over the summer while we were having our house built here, who, who had the USS flag as well as um, the, uh, the Sky Striker. I got a lot of playtime with it. And one thing that I've always kind of wondered uh, the arrestor hook that came with the USS flag is like retrofitted to fit the Sky Striker, and I've always wondered if that was something that they had considered for a, like a future feature on the Sky Striker when they built it, because that little bit in the back that holds that that, that hooks that arrestor hook in place, like it's it's pretty specific. It looks like it's very specifically designed for that. Hmm. Yeah, I. I, I... I do wonder, and and I mean the flag. You got to imagine the flag took a couple years to design, right? So I'm sure it was probably in the works by the yeah. time this thing was on shelves. That's I had never really thought about that before, but yeah, I I would bet that was planned absolutely. Because that that you're, you're right, it is a little too neat to have been reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Yes. That, all right. So the Sky Striker that we had had the the tail fins were the same color plastic gray white plastic that sky striker was my other two friends childhood friends that had sky strikers had the exact same now on the box the tail fins are black in this year's wish book the tail fins are black was there a production change at some point or I don't was think it, it was ever random? produced that way. Okay. I, I think it's it's kind of like the the Transformers fans know of the blue blue streak, which never existed, um, except in catalog pictures, because it was just an early prototype. It's probably okay. when they when they were selling catalogs and things like that, those they were getting those prototypes. Because it is something I noticed with the HasLab that oh, you can have the option of either or. And so that got me questioning my memories even more of like well wait i have yet to see one but maybe they are out there yeah i don't i I think the original they were all consistent now they did the uh 2011 the 30th anniversary one has the black tail fins uh which kind of always bothered me and and i again without you know i didn't go look it up or anything when i got it uh so i didn't realize it was an homage to the box art i I just wondered i was like why has this thing got black tail fins on it it just seemed weird to me and it's fine now especially since we are getting and real quick i want to go through sort of the history of of the toy releases for this Mm -hmm. uh it looks like the only one that used the exact same mold and tooling is the original is the Night Boomer, which was what the Night Force release, I guess. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure that all of the Night Boomers 
or all the night force figures or vehicles were just straight repaint so that would make yeah. sense yeah uh and then this this is my favorite in 1986 the sky striker was released in brazil by estrella toys as the super caca bombiero isn't that the best name <laughs> yes it is <laughs> And I'm sure uh, I mangled that pronunciation. <laughs> but who doesn't want to say, Dice, I'm coming in in the Super Caca Bombardiero. Now, yeah. in Brazil, they don't speak Spanish. But in, in other parts of Latin America, Caca means something <laughs> very dirty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was noteworthy. Uh, and then in 2011, uh, well, like I said, the 30th anniversary came out in 2011, but they also issued the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Sky Striker painted up like Starscream, which I had. I could not bring myself to ever open the box because the box art was so fantastic. And I was like, I just I don't need to open this because I've already got this other sky striker. I don't need one that just looks like star scream to hang up or do something with. I left it in the box. I left it in the box. And then eventually one day I made the mistake of looking at eBay and seeing what they were going for. And I sold it. And it was stupid because you should never sell toys, but I did. So I no longer have that. Uh, and then in 2015, we got the 50th anniversary silent strike set that came with the, black sky striker which is beautiful uh with the orange hiss which is hideous but i love it uh and and what's funny though at the time i didn't really even want the sky striker from that set i just wanted that orange hiss because it was so horrible i just wanted to own it and that set uh i believe it got marked down and that was where i was just like you know what i know i'm gonna be mad at myself if i don't get this so i better go ahead and get it and i'm glad i did i wish i'd bought everything of the 50th anniversary <laughs> but it's funny how when we come out of of years you know we had basically eight years of gi joe on the shelves pretty easy to get for the most part so I was a little spoiled by 2015 to the point where I felt like there were things that I just didn't need to buy. And I look back and I'm like, dumb, dumb, <laughs> just buy anything that says GI Joe, which is where I'm at now buying O-rings and modern era and Mezco and super seven and stupid classified series and everything else. Cause I know I don't six years from now want to be looking back at myself and saying, dumb, dumb. Why didn't you buy it? Uh, and then 2016, we got a Sky Patrol Sky Striker, which was, I believe, a convention exclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the International G.I. Joe Convention. And this is a beautiful, like, chromed out one. I'm sure that uh, it's finding one of those in pristine condition is not going to be yeah. easy to do with that vac metalized. Uh, plastic because that never holds up very well no absolutely not yeah i'm looking yeah. at it going i i don't i would have been too nervous to open it i think uh i i saw one of these in person in like you know beautiful condition um at uh joe fest a couple years ago and it's just it's so i mean it's so beautiful and it, just actually see it up close 
but yeah, I don't, I don't expect I'll own one of them anytime soon. No, no, absolutely not. I won't happen. Uh, all right, you guys. Well, we've, we've pretty much covered sky striker as a toy. Obviously it's appeared in tons of the media in the comics and the animated series and in every, you know, it's, it's an iconic item and, you know, whether the HasLab does its best or not, I cannot fault Hasbro for choosing this as their initial G.I. Joe HasLab offering. It, it just makes sense. Yeah, and I think absolutely. for the listeners, if, if you're on the fence about that HasLab, get on the internet, look up the Sky Striker, look up that original Sky Striker, and let the let that nostalgia flow through you and appreciate what a fantastic toy it is and how this is not like we're releasing the sky striker again this is we're releasing the best sky striker that has ever and will ever be made if if you have any idea at all that you want to own the best sky striker ever one of the flagships of the entire G.I. Joe franchise. Now is the time to jump in there and get one of these things. I think the best description I have for it uh, is this is the legacy Millennium Falcon all over again. Yes, absolutely. This, this is, like you said, the best version. And if you sleep on it years from now, I feel like you're going to regret it because hypothetically if they do do if, if they do a mass retail version it is not going to be anything like no no what we're getting out of this as lab there is there is no hundred dollar mass market sky striker mm -hmm. in the cards it isn't going to happen it can't happen with the way things are done now uh all right you guys well i think we've covered the sky striker pretty nicely I believe it is time to wrap this show up. All right, it is time to wrap this thing up. And the way we do that is with a segment called Knowing is Half the Babble, where we each get a little bit of time to ramble about anything. I'm going to kick it off this month and say that uh, the Zartan, the color-changing Zartan that was a Hasbro Pulse exclusive that I have and reviewed on the Needless Things YouTube channel, I have one thing to say about it. Non-premium members getting their Zartans before me. Ah, uh -uh. <laughs> unacceptable Hasbro pulse. Like, I don't mind that these people are also getting the Zartans. That's fine. But I pay a premium for a reason. You ship to me first. You make those non-premium people who want to pay for shipping you make them wait because i am premium and they are not that's all i gotta say about that yeah Christian, you have a babble to know i just wanted to say happy holidays 
to everybody and thank all of our listeners for another great year. Aw. Well, that's much nicer than what I said. <laughs> Peace on earth wow. and goodwill to everyone except for non-premium members who got their yes. Zartans before I did. Who on all of you? No. <laughs> Noel, what's your babble? Uh, so real quick. I just want to shout out, I mentioned him many months ago, but he's just put out his first video in a long time. Um, uh, Hooded Cobra Commander 788. Uh, if, you are, if you've not subscribed to his uh, stuff on YouTube, he's been going through a lot of stuff over the last year. He's finally back. Uh, he, did a, he did a video for Patreon um, for a, a review of Snake Eyes, um, the G.I. Joe movie, the live action movie. Um, which was his, his first brand new video he's done in, I think, about a year reviewing yeah. everything. So um, check him out. Subscribe to him on Patreon. Um, you know, throw him some. He's, he's my favorite G.I. Joe content creator on the Internet. And I think he he deserves as much love as possible. It's good and to hear that, that he's back. With that, I'd like to remind everyone that our music is by Andy Samford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can find us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast, on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. And Noel, do you want to tell us a little bit about The Finest? The Finest is an international costuming group that focuses on G.I. Joe, and uh, we are getting out in the open a lot more here in the uh, in the coming months as things are opening up although we don't know what's going to happen in the next few months as new variants are happening but if you're ever at a con you want to check us out to donate some money we raise money for a great cause called canines for warriors and even if you can't make it out to a convention and see us there uh, you can always uh, donate through some of the other projects that we uh, we do on either on facebook or by checking out uh, the finest cc.com and Christian, tell us where we can find your wonderful figure photography. So you can find me on Instagram and Flickr.com under the name Legion Cub. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and sticking with us. We've got lots more great stuff to come. More live appearances in the coming year if everything goes as planned. And as always, yo, Joe. Cobra. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Yo, ho, ho, ho. Why didn't I say that? <laughs> <laughs>